You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about the monkeys' headquarters. In the room, I have Rob, Ben, and Adam. Headquarters is the third studio album issued by the TV star band The Monkeys, released in May 22nd, 1967, on Colin Gems Records and produced by Chip Douglas. The genre is pop rock and folk rock. And most of this is from All Music Review, uh, Tim Sendra. After the release of their previous album, War of the Monkeys, on which the band had little involvement beyond providing vocals and a couple Mike Nesmith composed songs, the Prefab Four, as they were called, decided to take control of the recording destiny. After a well-timed fist-through-the-wall of a hotel suite and many fevered negotiations, music supervisor Don Kestner was out, and the band hit the studio by themselves. With the help of producer Chip Douglas, the band spent some time learning how to be a band and set about recording what turned out to be a dynamic, exciting, and impressive album. Headquarters doesn't contain any of the group's biggest hits, but it does have some of their best songs, like the Nesmith-stirring folk rocker, You Just May Be The One, the rocking No Time, the soul ballad Forget That Girl, which features one of Davy Jones's best vocals. The group benefited from the stripped down and creative arrangements and passionate performances. Headquarters doesn't show the band to be musical geniuses, but it does prove they were legitimate musicians with enough brains, heart, and soul as anyone else claiming to be a real band in 1967. What did we think of headquarters? Um, I it doesn't offend my sensibilities. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of really cool songs on it, and Mike Nesmith's songs fucking rule, man. Like that dude could write a write a pop song. He could. Um, yeah, I I, I I I enjoyed most everything I heard off this record. If I'm being perfectly honest. I'm just happy for the monkeys. I think it like I don't think that this record is. A classic. Uh, I don't. I don't even necessarily think it's a must hear. But if it's in this book, just for like a participation award for the monkeys, like I guess so be it. You know they had something to prove, and they fucking went out and they and they did it. You know, and yeah, good good for those dudes because you know they were musicians, and I think that when they signed up for the gig, at least. At least half of them were kind of under the impression that it was going to be a different kind of gig, and uh, to be able to convince like the label and the management to like let you just let us try it, and then kind of force their hand. I, you well, know, yeah, a bit. Well, it's, one of, like, it's it's such a tricky thing because they weren't playing characters. The characters of the monkeys were the same names as these people. So, at, like, at what point does the fiction stop? You know, like. 
especially for like someone who considers himself a serious musician like Mike Nesmith or Peter Tork, they're up on stage, they're doing their job, but they're not playing on their own records. They're not writing any of the songs. And like the, the storylines, you know, that those aren't, aren't storylines that are actually happening to them. Yet this person is, this character is called Mike Nesmith, you know, <laughs> it's just. It reflects on them. Yeah. So I think that they were, they had every right to kind of force the hand and you know, it could have, it could have been a flop. It could have been terrible. And this record, like I said, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's the best record of 67. Uh, but it is an honorable showing. Uh, I think that they, they, they fucking did it. They, they, they made a record of rock songs and it stands up to their peers. And I think at this point it was probably too late for them to be taken seriously as an artistic force. And I think that's probably something that stigmatized them for the rest of their careers. But at least they can look back and be like, well, look, though, we did it, you know? And so fucking good for them, I guess, you know? Okay. I have a similar feeling about the monkeys in general, which is just the that idea that, like, it's got to be weird being an early assembled band. Um, you know, I mean, they were doing that with vocal groups and stuff, uh... That was big in the 50s, you know, obviously. But, um, but like, it hadn't been done in, like, duplicating, like, the sort of hipster sound that was happening at the time, which is what they're doing. And, uh, yeah, I like I like how Ben was talking about how the... It's like the members don't... They didn't know exactly what they're doing, what they're getting into. And it's like, there's still just some people who want to play music. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. Yeah, like, it's see. not a bad record. Like, it's not... I don't... I'm not going to put this on. Like, I remember I remember a moment when I was, like, you know, first I got a record player in maybe, like, sixth grade. And uh, and it was, the reason I got a record player is my stepmom had one that was in the basement. And I was like, oh, man, I remember hearing about these things. And you shared all these records. And so you just go through and you're like, is this cool? No, not cool. Is this cool? Wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. And then you go to the garage sale and they're a quarter each or a dime or whatever. They let you take them. And I got a monkey's record that way. And I, I remember I was young enough that, like, the monkeys were targeted at young people, you know. And I was like, yeah, cool, Daydream Believer, or uh, the one I'm thinking of, uh, and I saw her face, now I'm a believer. And mm-hmm. uh, Neil Diamond wrote that one, I think. But uh, but uh, anyway, the the that stuff, it stuck. I knew that it was not as artistic, maybe, as, like, the other records I was picking up, like the Beatles or, you know, uh, like even like same time I was finding like Cat Stevens and David Bowie records, mm-hmm. but it's not offensive music, you know. It's it's kind of surprisingly just like eh, all right, <laughs> good job, guys. You yeah, know? it's like it's got a clear style. I'll say like that they they actually made a record that doesn't sound like a mess, and I think that you that they could have uh, being empowered. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I think they had kind of a clear template from Hard Day's Night. Yeah. The hard days night is out, and people are like, "Let's cat, let's do this for real." You know, the 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 movie proved that this is what the kids want. Yeah, and so they kind of latch on to, yeah, up and coming musicians. They're still musicians. I think you're right. They kind of got taken for a little bit of a ride. If you look at like uh, the other, like so many people tried out for the monkeys. Yeah, famous people like Stephen Stills and like other people that like when when. That like after they got rejected by being in the monkeys, were joining these 
bands that became like acclaimed bands and having acclaimed solo careers. So like these guys that got hired to be the monkeys, it's like they they were at the same caliber. Yeah, and, they could have been in another group. Yeah, like had, had Mike Nesmith not been in the Monkees, maybe he would have been the one in fucking Buffalo Springfield. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I can see that. Right. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound lesser than necessarily in the sense that like it's definitely more like it's 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 cuter maybe like for certain songs, right. but uh, it's like, but then I don't know. It's just. It's the lottery element of it, I think, is the most interesting part. Like, am I going to put this record on later? No. But uh, do, would it be easy to shit on the monkeys? <laughs> Obviously. But uh, it's like, I don't know. I, I was expecting... I hadn't listened to them for a long time. And I was I was expecting to dislike it more. People go moving fast and moving slow. I'm in a crowd, yet I'm all alone. The road is long, the road is rough I do believe I've had enough I'm gonna turn around and head for home And I hope you're there And you still care And if you do I'll spend my Well, none of their contemporaries, like, in that scene thought any less of them. Like, every time fucking Neil Young would quit Buffalo Springfield, he'd go fucking hang out with the monkeys and just, like, fucking fuck... He, they just, they just I, noodle. They, they, I would say say they thought yeah. less. There were a lot of people who <laughs> They may have hung off. out with them as dudes, but yeah. their peers shat on them as oh, a band. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I, I don't know. And they were a boy band. Uh... Including, I uh, have this little... I mean, the the second of the... No, the third of the boy bands. You're right. The Beatles, Stones, and these guys, right? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I'm, I'm not actually no, serious. The, no, these guys were, like... Put together? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were fabricated. I, of course they were. That's why it sounds so good. <laughs> you, you pick the choicest bits and you put it, and that, that's what you want your salad to be made of, the nicest things. <laughs> So when they so, get so, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix is opening up for the for the monkeys. Did that happen? Yes. Wow. In 1967 wow. in the UK, the Sunday Monday Sunday Mirror called them a disgrace to pop music. Jimi Hendrix was their uh, head said to Melody Maker. Oh God, I hate them. Dishwater. You can't knock anybody for making it, but people like the monkeys? Question mark. I mean, so in, talk it, about being in the worst fucking position you could possibly be in, like just right. be. I and I think that's what we're all discussing. We, yeah. I think we we all agree that this album is kind. Is it, it doesn't stink? It's fine, no, yeah. It doesn't stink. But at the time, it's like, well, I think holy cow, they were already their reputation is just. What I hadn't sure. realized, that's yeah, the hypocrisy know, though. Stuff of exactly. cool music. I mean, I'm sorry. Stuff moves so much faster in this era, you know, with these bands and how. The output of material, I like. I knew that the Monkees were a, a prefab band. I knew that they m- that they kind of like got famous just being like the faces behind a bunch of studio or in front of a bunch of studio musicians. And I knew that eventually they fought for their right to try to record their stuff. But you know, it's their third record. But this is only one year has passed. <laughs> you know, like that's crazy. Yeah, like. They, 
es- from, from, essentially, this is kind of their first record, though. Right. Oh, and their second record, uh, More of the Monkeys, they had no idea about that one. They uh, they were on tour. when They didn't even get a copy of it. They had to buy a copy of it. They were on tour, and they saw it on the shelves. And they they hated it because they didn't know about it. Uh, they and they hated it because they thought that the album art looked amateur, which it does. It looks like it looks like a '70s Rhino collection, yeah. uh, and the picture that they used of the band was an outtake from a photo shoot that they did for J.C. Penney. Whoa! So it's just them like wearing like J.C. Penney's clothes. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So that's more of the monkeys. I just feel like I just think that the hypocrisy of coolness kind of shows a little bit with this. Where it's like, you hear you hear all these bands that like you hear these uh, bios that are like blowing minds, and like you see all this like press, or you know you go back if you read about this some of these records that we've gone through that we've been like, you know, listening to it from a modern perspective, and thinking like this is not special, and then you hear this, and you're like, and these guys got shit on by these guys, like you know that like Bo Brummels or whatever. I'm sure that most of the stuff that we've listened to that they've got and is these legacy acts um, or legend legendary recordings shit on these guys. It and when, would, when, it, but it was so easy to shit on them. They were the stars of a children's show. Yeah, I, and I they get were the that. Wiggles. Yeah, I totally get that. Good. But like, it's just interesting though because it's like it makes you wonder like. What are people talking about when they shit on something? But like, the, are they talking about the, that they think these guys are sellouts? Well, up is until, it that they think well, that they're I just, well, they're part of the establishment, right? This so is there the, you go. This is the counterculture, and exactly, and the hippie, you know, hippie. The counterculture is like everything. This is real, man. You know, th- and, these. This is real music. We are real musicians, and all these labels are coming out to they're, pick, they're coming pick these to us. Up. They're coming to us, and uh, you went and, to them. And yeah. this, yeah, essentially. So I think, and that's I completely agree with you that it's like and i'm certainly not defending it because like i've always been on the other side of it like i'm always on the like small time as a a musician like where i just have to like make my own way and like fight against the bands like the monkeys and like i trust me like that they're the villain in in my life story but it's interesting to me to go back and hear the the music with just like if you're just trying to listen to the record, mm-hmm. like we sort of start listening to these albums, it just doesn't sound it's that much. It's not a bad record. That's what I mean. It it's like, doesn't fucking like suck. If you had no historical context, and I, I mean, I wonder how many people, if you played this record for them now, it's 10 of the records that are from this era, oh, and you didn't abs- tell them what it was, I bet people would be like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I told, and I was like, it sounds like the Beatles. Yeah. They they mix in a, some birds and then they sprinkle in a little uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Like that is literally like. I think that's pretty spot on. It's it's all that you know that makes a good sounding record. Yeah. It's just interesting right. because I just like I, I feel every way about yeah this era of music in the sense that like like yeah it's garbage that this fucking boy band it sucks like you're. Everything about the way that this came together sucks, but it's just funny that like it's it's not an offensive album. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it 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 shouldn't have been an offensive album. They fought that's the whole point. They, I guess. they fought to show that they could actually do this. Yeah, like they were musicians. They yeah. weren't these fucking like characters on the TV, and they put together a great record. Uh-huh. Like, 
you know, Rolling Stone, what they give that on this thing, like one and a half stars. Fucking arbiters of <laughs> hip garbage. Fucking telling me it's that not, goddamn birds the record's wicked. good. Fuck. <laughs> the st- fuck Rolling Stone. Oh my god. Oh, the Wikipedia page for this album uh, has this really in-depth track by track personnel uh, for every track. Who played what? Who did what? And proven themselves. And but what's funny is so pre. Pre-anti-establishment monkeys, Star of the Monkeys is uh, Davy Jones. You mm-hmm. know, like they all sing, but Davy Jones is 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 their star. You look at this record, Davy Jones. He sings lead on two or three songs. Uh, the only writing credits he gets are the ones on like the skits where they're all just talking, and the only instrument he plays on it is tambourine or maracas. And he plays the fucking shit out of the tambourine does, in Maracas, man. But like even even Mickey Dolan's, even Mickey Dolan's has some writing credits. He's playing drums on every track. He plays zither. He plays guitar. Like the the other three monkeys are way like taking the lion's share. <laughs> like David Jones is like, man, can we just go back to where I was a star and people write a song? <laughs> <laughs> They're working uh, overtime. Yeah, yeah. But now he's yeah. But I mean, but who knows how it was perceived? Like the credits might be there, and you're a credits reader, but like you know, yeah. I mean, if the girls are still screaming the most at him, uh, yeah, I actually wrote down on No Time, uh, which I thought was a rad song, was uh, Davy plays the shit out of that tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> One cool uh, bit of trivia about No Time. So the song right before No Time, Zilch, is the one that's just spoken word where they're all just saying. Uh, they each have like a random sentence and are saying it over and over again. One of them, I forget who it is, says, uh, never mind the furthermore, the plea is in the self-defense. <laughs> and they work that line into no time. Like one of like, never mind the furthermore, the plea is self-defense. <laughs> it's like, it's like the second or third verse. They're just like, like, I wonder if anyone will notice. <laughs> There were there were more tracks on this record that I enjoyed than I didn't enjoy, and like coming out of the scene that it's in, I honestly, man, I I, I absolutely can see like this is this is that breath of fresh air, that cool drink of water in the fucking psychedelic desert, <laughs> where I can be like, oh yes, music does sound good sometimes. Thank you. Like, well, it's kind of taking it back to earlier Beatles era, think- right? I think one of the things that, like, and this is always something I comment on, but, like, the... Cool. <laughs> we we should have stayed there. Sorry, I, I, but I had to rewind. I think I did give that first Beatles record an A+. Plus, so, yeah, we're okay. The, I think the thing that, and part of it for me is that makes it... So, you know, maybe I didn't like as much as you did, Rob, but, like, uh, the, the vocal performances... Just sound a little more like 
less affected. And the thing that gets so tedious about this era of the San Francisco is that, like, uh, like there's that voice, <laughs> like the vibrato. Oh, the hurdy gurdy man. <laughs> it's just like it's so not cool, and it's, it, it just sounds. But bad. Adam, it was the coolest at I that know. point in time. I know. Otherwise, it wouldn't be all over the. I shit. know, I know, but it's just like it does not hold up, and <laughs> and it's so trite, and it's so unoriginal, and all these people are such just hipster copycats, even if they're also good at writing songs, like depending on the group. Like it's just you could it just reeks of hipster nonsense that like it's just kind of like refreshing. It's like I'm trying to think of like sometimes you just hear like you're you know you're you're listening to the radio and it's just so bad and everything is so the same and bad and then a song comes on that's like it's like Kelly Clarkson's Since You've Been Gone, you're like, you know what? Yes. <laughs> like, 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 this song is so unpretentious. It's just a song. Like, just fine with me. And you're, it's like that. And this this feels like that kind of pop where you're just like, yeah. You're like, this doesn't anger me in its falseness, even though it's somehow also false. Well, we're like a year away from head at this point, right? And we're, yeah. we're not going to be able to review that. No. Ah, uh, what a fucking shame. Because Let's th- talk about Head. Head Please. is Head is definitely the turning point for me with the monkeys. Uh, somebody introduced Head to me, I think it was in college, probably early college, and they were like, have you seen the movie Head by the monkeys? Like, no. What are you talking about? The monkeys are like a lame band, you know? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen the TV show. They're just goofballs or whatever. And they s- sit me down. We watch Head, and I was like, Oh shit, because in the first like five minutes after it gets all psychedelic and and weird, they start showing images of their fans literally ripping them apart while interjecting uh, real uh, movie footage of Vietnam and people getting executed. (laughs) And to me, I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe what is happening. Like the monkeys are blowing my mind in this like psychedelic... (laughs) mind fuck of like <laughs> we are the the kookiest band and at the same time guess what death destruction war <laughs> faces of death yeah <laughs> in like lsd trip um oh all God. over the place so uh, apparently the re- the uh, how they wrote that is they just got high in a hotel room with jack nicholson for a month no I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know why it was called Head? Yes, I do. But go ahead and tell me. <laughs> so if they ever got greenlit to make a sequel, they could put on the poster, From the Guys That Gave You Head. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and oh the, the director was quoted as saying, you know, uh, they kind of started butting heads at the end of that movie. Uh, and so he, to speak. He wanted to... Uh, he literally wanted to destroy the monkeys. The whole image of the monkeys and everything that had come before, he like sought to basically just ruin that image. Which I felt like they it was it was this great combination of absurdity, but at the same time being political and also wacky. It was it was great. Yeah. Uh, also, Frank Zappa's in it. There's some other... Uh, I've never very, seen very, it. Very choice. Oh, really? I've never seen We're it. We're going to watch it. Okay. And the soundtrack's good. The soundtrack is very good. Like uh, I used to cover Circle Sky. <laughs> Did you? In the band, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Don Kirshner, uh, he, was, he was the 
I don't know if they called him the musical director or whatever, but he was the one, the monkeys, he was the one that needed to be ousted for them to do their own thing. Don Kirshner, though, he he knew he was onto something with this band that he could control, and it it got out, the... The band got too big for him to control the star power. He lost control of the band. He learned his lessons. You know what he did? His rebound, the Archies. Exact same formula, only the band's a cartoon. There's no there's no person that can get an inflated ego in the front. It's just a cartoon in front of the studio musicians and the songwriters that he controls. Wow. And it was Simplify. It, simplify it. Complete control. You're like, you know what I don't need? These ego stars. I'm just going to put some cartoons up there, and I'm going to make just as much money. So crazy. Yeah. But he's figuring out what his role is, and like, he's cutting out what he considers the chaff. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. In 1967, they reported that the Monkees outsold the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined. But later... Mike uh, Nesmith claimed that in his autobiography, Infinite Tuesday, that it was a lie he told the Australian uh, reporter. There's no way that this outsold Sgt. Pepper's. No. No. That's why it's so crazy. Because this was number that. two on the charts and Sgt. Pepper's was number one. Yeah. It was Nesmith that punched through the wall. I figured. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he was and fucking white out rich, man. He didn't give a fuck. I believe the line is, that could have been your head. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Boy. Somehow it worked. That yeah. was like a turning point in it's in true. like the negotiations. Well, they probably realized that he's gonna lose it. Like they're like actually going to lose star him. Star out of control, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they probably saw that money being like, oh, he's not gonna be in the band. They're gonna get somebody else, and it's gonna go downhill from here if we don't at least you know concede to a little bit. I saw like, that drywall, and like, oh shit, that could be my face. <laughs> drywall face. Well, a lot of these songs were reworkings of songs that came on earlier records that they didn't write at all. Um, but, I mean, they, they, they reworked them, and they sound better than the originals, in my own personal opinion. Yeah, so how do we feel, ultimately? We, positive, neutral, negative on this? Well, I'll, I'll go first. I will give this an absolute positive. I would recommend this record to uh, just about anybody. I would go neutral. Uh, it's my favorite Monkeys record, and that earns it a neutral. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm like a neutral plus in the same way where it's like up for a group that. I mean, I like the record fine. It's just a. I don't need to. I don't need to hear it a lot. You know, it's it's just they did a nice job. I might have spun it more at the time when it was out. Uh, I'm glad they did it. I would have been. Yeah, I would have been. I think when it came out, I would have been very curious about how it's a pretty strong record. Uh, you know, like I am now. Uh, I don't think. Um, you know, I mean, most of the stuff from this era, I just it's like I already went through a phase as a teenager listening to the stuff that I wanted to hear, and it was, it was nice. But uh, I just don't. I don't want to hear it much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I know like, why. I feel like 1960s man, me would have been like, fuck this band. They're all a bunch of phonies. Oh, I know I would have been, but you I would have been like kind of curious when, if somebody I trusted was oh, like, I actually said, yeah. Eh, let's That's sit down. Yeah. Let's let's check this out. Let's just grab a drink. Yeah. Let's just spend 35 minutes and like, tell me what you think. I, and I would have been like, 
damn, it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's one of the beauties of hindsight. It's the reason damn. why I like the year I was born as opposed to being a punk in the 80s because mm-hmm. I can look back and be like, fuck yeah, Duran Duran, that shit yeah. rules. Fuck yeah, Depeche Mode, that rules. And yeah. all these, like, trying to fucking follow that tribe of just like, no! Like, fuck yeah, the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. really interesting to go back and it'll be more interesting when we're in the yeah era later of, on yeah but but this uh, we're already entering the era where it's like this this we have now that we're in the like the late sixties it's the records that we were finding in our parents stash mm-hmm. you know like I definitely found a monkey's record my mom had one what a you poser know? your mom's a poser <laughs> the Italian poser she, she, I think she called herself a flower child um, <laughs> thank you very much Birch what was your favorite song off the record uh. You just may be the one, probably. That's hey, a good one. That's like a, that, that was my favorite one. song yeah. too. That is that First is. One? Uh, no, it's, uh, it's track five. Number, track five. Yeah, you just may be the one. Oh, uh, it's a winner. Oh, the first song you told me. It's, it's yeah. a great song. I like that um, one too. Definitely super solid. Uh, but I thought I thought it was okay. Enough. Shades of Grey. Yeah, liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like for Pete's sake. It, it, I thought that one was cool. I but like I, I would probably go neutral on it just because I I'm so proud of them for kind of standing up for at least, you know, doing it themselves. But at the same time, it, it definitely doesn't wow me in any sense of the word. I, yeah, a couple of the tracks, though, I would definitely put on, like, a mix, just mm-hmm. like a sunny day pop mix. pop mix or something like that. Sure. But, I can see that, actually, cool. that it's like if you spend a little more time, you just or, or if you jingle, put it on with your, like, uh, you know, uh, like, Oracle... Like something from that yeah. record, yeah, zombies you know? something and something, from, the zombi- yeah, and, something yeah. from a zombies record. Yeah. Like I think they, I think they deserve a, a track on a playlist like that. Something off this record mm-hmm. does not seem out of place, and I think people who hear the song and say, "Who is that? I like that." Will yeah. be pleasantly surprised, and it's a bit of a talking point. Yeah, for totally. music yeah. fans, yeah. you know, for music fans who like to be surprised by things. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. Just to interrupt, I was trying to figure out. Why Mike Nesmith was important aside from uh, his mom inventing, uh, what was it, uh, Whiteout? Whiteout. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. But he also, I believe, was the head producer of the movie Time Rider, the movie where the motorcycle goes back in time and he becomes his own, like, grandfather. Okay. It's a beautiful film. That sounds <laughs> and, uh, dubious. Oh, no, sorry. It wasn't produced. It was written by Mike Nesmith. Oh, wow. That's so good. <laughs> All right, then. Peter Tork was uh, developmental in the early ages of music videos. Hmm. Nice. And wasn't Mickey one of the first ones that actually got a hold of a Moog synthesizer? He and may have been. was uh, making bleeps and blurps? I don't know. I don't know. Monkeys were cool, man. I don't give a shit. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... Next time we'll be talking about Tim Buckley, Goodbye and Hello. Well, Goodbye... And hello to you, Sue. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. See you, bud. We will make the world shine. We were born to love one another. This is something we all need. We were born to love one another. We must be what we're going to be. And what we have to be.
Thank you.